Welcome to Meaning Over Money, a different kind of financial podcast where money is never about money. Welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are so excited to have you here. We hope you're having an awesome week. And regardless of when you're listening to this, we hope it adds value to your journey. And if it does add value, it would mean the world to us if you would share with a friend or to rate and review our show. It makes a big difference. Well, we are coming to you from Cole's new office, and we are joined by Cole himself. Hello. It's rare that we get Cole on the podcast, and we've been getting a lot of requests. We need more Cole. I think people are really saying they need less Travis. That's really code for we need less Travis. And so we got Cole back, and we are here to do an episode that I don't want to do. I don't want to be here, Cole, in this moment. I know. I know you don't, but it's good for us and it's good for everybody else. So Cole's been pressuring me for quite some time and Cole, Cole loves, Cole loves transparency. I love transparency too, by the way, I want to be real. I want to be vulnerable and, and, and show people, you know, firsthand what, what our lives look like. But Cole's been pushing for a while. He said, Hey, Travis, we need to talk about our actual budgets to the world. And I've been pushing back for a while, and uh, as usually happens, I eventually lose. And so here we are today, uh, Cole and I, we're going to share a little bit about what do our lives look like behind the curtain. Yeah, we, uh, I mean, we waited long enough, so it was kind of like a good uh, compromise as to you don't want to do this, but I wanted to do it right away. So here we are a little bit later doing it. Maybe, can I at least, uh, at least feel good about... I outlasted you 230 plus episodes. Yeah, that is true. That is true. <laughs> it was time. It was finally time to do it. Well, well, by the way, Cole, it's good to see you. I haven't seen you in weeks, dare I even say months. Yeah, it's been a long time. Things are crazy in so a good way. So you're a new dad again? Yep. Yep. That's, That's been, been fun. Two is crazy. Two is a lot crazier than one. You know, we've always talked about, you know, I had twins and then Cole had a girl and we were always talking about parenting twins. And I always said, the thing I always tell people is that my two are harder than your one, but your two are harder than my two because my two are always on the same playing field. They're both boys. They both have the same schedule, the same rhythm, the same everything. And so my two are always easier than you, your two. So welcome to parenting that's probably harder than mine now. Yep. Going back to uh, diapers and and not sleeping at night and stuff was a fun transition for sure. Yeah. Well, without uh, further ado, I could delay this thing all day, but I'm not going to. We're going to get into it. And so here's maybe some context, everybody. I don't know actually what's in Cole's budget right now. We haven't met in a while. I used to work with Cole and Kate very closely, and, and we haven't in the last few years as much. I answer questions along the way, but we haven't really sat down in in a while. And Cole and I, Cole, Cole's never really seen my full budget. We talk about it and we talk about the differences sometimes. So there's going to be a lot of surprises. And I think what you're going to find is there's a lot of similarities and there's a lot of differences. Differences in the numbers and the differences in the way that we do things. And I think what you'll, I hope what you, what you see and recognize is that there's no one right way to do this. But there's a right way for you as long as you have that, that control and the intentionality behind it. And I, and I think this will be an interesting little experiment that I may regret later, Cole. You, you won't regret it, I promise. <laughs> I, th- I think the whole reason for us doing this is to, one, show everybody that people's budgets aren't the same. 
and uh, two, to just kind of give you an insight as to how we think about our money, where we put it, where we value our stuff, and then also seeing the difference between um, ages and family dynamics and importance of different things. So just to kind of help you out and give you some insights as to how we categorize our things, what we spend things on, what it looks like for a family with two twin boys who are seven years old and then a family with a younger two and a half year old girl and a baby and a wife and both of our wives stay at home. So it'll be interesting just to kind of see a deep dive. If you've ever wondered what I spend my money on and how much money I spend a month, this is the episode to listen to. Yeah. All right. Well, here we go. So we'll start at the high level. I do know Cole's high level numbers because we wanted to give you some apples to apples to start and then we'll dive in. And so I'll share mine first, Cole. Um, our base budget is is right around. And, and again, it's worth noting, these are all seasonal. Everything changes. Every month is different. And so Cole and I are trying to look at what's a, what's kind of a normal month right now in our life. And that that what's what's going on behind the scenes it shifts over time so this is kind of a call it a call it a, a snapshot if you will so right now our base budget is around eight thousand dollars a month all in so mine breaks down to about a little over 4300 in needs a little over 1200 in wants about 1200 in giving and about 1200 in saving Nice. And uh, mine breaks down to about $7,300 a month. And when we say baseline, for me, baseline means I've covered all of my needs to survive. House payment, groceries, uh, insurance, all that kind of stuff, plus uh, important wants. Um, If I had a baseline of important wants plus fun wants, it would be about $10,000. But on average, it's a good $7,300 to cover everything, including needs plus important wants like investing and things like that. Mine breaks down to about $4,300 in needs. So on a baseline, that's about what I need to survive for my family. Uh, about $800 in wants, important wants, quote unquote, and $1,150 in giving. Uh, that depends on the month as well. Uh, and then just based off the income that I have. And then $400 in savings to, and then about $650 investing, which equals about $7,300. So as I, as we put those numbers together right before we hit record, what was interesting is that our needs are almost identical. They're within 50 bucks of one another, which was surprising. And it's and it's, it's interesting that it can work out that way because our, our lives are, are a lot different in a lot of ways. You own, I rent, and in just different stages of parenting. What's interesting is our giving, your giving was about 16%. You give 16% of your income. I give about 15%, very, very close. And then uh, what's interesting, it's worth noting, we'll get into it a little bit more, is that you're investing about 9% of your income, and, and I'm not currently investing right now. We have, we have shifted our, our priorities right now, and, and we want to lean heavier into giving and, and some of the other things that we're working on. And so that's a, a, an interesting difference 
in mm-hmm. our budgets. And, and uh, important note to investing for me about six fifty a month right now. Um, that includes my wife and I's brokerage, and then that includes a little bit of my daughter's education. We will have to add another education in there uh, for my second daughter, and that's not including. I do invest from my business specifically in um, uh, Roth IRA as well as if I have any extra and we want to invest more, a SEP IRA that you can do with your company. So there's stuff going on behind the scenes. So there's a little bit of stuff going on behind the scenes. This is, I bring my income over from my business and this is what we put investing as a family. Yep. Perfect. Well, let's, let's start with needs. We'll start with the big, the big elephant in the room, which is always your housing cost. Mine is sixteen hundred right now, which is super cheap. We rent a a seventy five year old house in a really cool part of the town that we live in. It's a walkable life. We are living our best housing life right now because for me, it 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 frees up a lot of opportunity for us, and so we've made that. That was a very intentional choice by us. That's a good sixteen hundred with no worries about any extra a month. That's right. <laughs> My housing payment is about fifteen hundred dollars a month, which is, by the way, is ridiculously low for somebody who owns their house. Ridiculously low. Uh, we got into our home twenty twenty September, maybe October, late twenty twenty, with a two six interest rate. So that has been fantastic. We didn't pay taxes the first year, so our payment was like a thousand dollars and eighty a thousand eighty three for the first year. That being said, we did have to put aside about four hundred dollars a month because those payments catch up to you. I don't understand why mm-hmm. they do, but they do. So uh, essentially, we were paying about fifteen hundred dollars a month the entire time. Yeah, just different. It wasn't actually going towards the home; it was just going to a savings account, which things. Yep. Well, I have another about 250 in utilities, just kind of all the all the normal stuff. Yep. Gas electric for us is about 200, water is about 100, uh garbage about 20 bucks a month utility-wise for me. Yeah. Then I have, you know, obviously the insurance. So for us, we have auto insurance, we have renters insurance on the on the house, and we have umbrella insurance. That for me is about that's about 200 bucks. Mm, nice. We that that'd be a good question for my wife insurance-wise, but uh medical copayment insurance about 125, health insurance 550, dental insurance 60, homeowners insurance about 93. A lot of uh lot of insurance bills there. Do you pay do you pay your uh, uh, uh medical insurance through your business? Hmm. Maybe we should talk about that. We should, we should probably talk about that. <laughs> you need to get, let's get Doug on the phone. And then uh, life insurance as well is about 47 a month. 47. Our life insurance is about 100. We have, and this is a big piece of what we talk about in the coaching, but life insurance doesn't have to be expensive. In fact, it can be quite inexpensive. I think if I remember correctly, I have about a million and a half on me. We have a million on my wife. And we're all in a hundred bucks a month. And that's for 20, 20 years for each of us. I think we have seven fifty each. And that's each. about twenty four bucks a Unless month. Unless you're really young and we're getting old, so yeah. 
There we go. We also have, uh, I also have disability insurance that I spend about 140 a month on. And that's really the safety net to protect our family. If something were to happen to me, but I still am living, that my family is going to have a lot of, a lot of bills to, to cover, in, including my medical, if, if that perhaps plays out that way. So we have, we have disability insurance to protect us in case something happens. I think I also have disability insurance, but I'm pretty sure that one goes through my business. Makes sense. All right. Always a fan favorite, gas for your car. We're, we're at about 250 right now. That fluctuates a lot just depending on where life is. We, before Northern Vessel opened, our gas bill was more like, our fuel bill was more like 150 a month because our life is pretty walkable. We're, you know, our office and our houses are all in proximity to one another. And so we didn't spend a lot, but we're at about 250. Uh, last month for us, it was 350. Typically it's about two, 250. If it's a higher gas bill, it's typically a good thing because that means I'm doing a lot of work. So summer's usually a much higher gas bill, 350. Uh, for example, I, I drove out to Illinois two days ago, which was a four hour drive. I flew drone for about an hour and then a four-hour drive home. So nice. gas goes up by a lot in the summer. So as of right now, we're about 350 Nice. Groceries. What do you got for groceries? So this is where Travis and I do things a little bit differently. I have groceries, household, and big box stores all into one category. So that's groceries, um, toiletries, paper towels, anything you need for your house, and big box stores like Sam's Club, or Costco or any of those. And on a good month, we do about 550. On a bad month, we do about 750. 750. So so like Cole said, I, I separate mine because I like to eat my grocery budget. And so we're we've always been very diligent about keeping the food separate from the household items. I can tell you that in my coaching, probably 75% of people combine them because they buy them at the same time. So for us, our groceries are 600-ish, and that number seems to be creeping up as my boys decide to, they want to hit some growth spurts. They're trying to build, they're trying to bulk up, get some muscles. And uh, in our household in, in health and beauty is about 150. So ours is about 750 if we look at them combined. So similar. Yep, I, I think one thing we got we got annoyed of taking our receipts and going back and looking at adding up how much was household, how much was groceries, because we did end up buying everything at the same spot. So we just combined those to make it a little easier for us. So one thing that we did, and we've talked about this a little bit on the on the show, but we have, and we're, we're an advocate for Cash App. And one of the things we love doing is we have a designated Cash App account for groceries. We, we load the grocery money every month. My wife keeps the grocery card because she buys most of the groceries and whenever she buys groceries, she uses that card. It comes right off of that account. She always has a, a full understanding of what's where and how much is left. And that keeps it very clean for us. Totally. I think the one thing you need to be careful about that we've noticed is when you combine them all together, it's a lot easier to go over budget. Correct. Um, the other thing that's helped us stay in budget, especially for grocery-wise, is um, we subscribe to Walmart's delivery service delivered to you whenever you want. And that has just been fantastic because that way you can, 
actually load out things in your cart online and know exactly what it's going to cost. And if that means going back and trading a brand name for something a little bit cheaper, it's a lot easier to do than doing it in the store and adding it up manually. So that's been super helpful. And they gave us yesterday, they gave two days ago, they, we ordered it and they gave us somebody else's <laughs> grocery order. And we got like two five pound pork loins, a bunch of chicken, uh, some great food. I don't know what that person was planning on cooking, uh, but they refunded us and gave us money back for our order. So we just got a bunch of wow. good food. It was, it was nice. Shout out to Walmart delivery system. Man, way to make it right though. Yeah, yeah. This is a category that people people anchor their number to a preconceived notion. And this is one that varies widely from family to family and they don't even know it. So for example, I think ours at 600 for groceries, I would say for a family of four, that's on the lower end. That's fair. Let's name that. But I have people that I work with that will spend 2000 and they will say there's no way for it to be less. And I think what happens is we get we get locked into the way that we do things and we fail to consider that there are other alternatives. You mentioned Walmart delivery. We use we use Aldi a lot. My wife really enjoys going there right now. And what I would say is there is a wide variance and you are not stuck where you're at. And so if this is a category that you say, I can't reduce it, just know you probably can if you're willing to go down that road. We've always been very careful with this because we know we could spiral on this category big time. Totally. Totally. Uh, next category I have in needs is haircut. Mm. I don't have that as a category in needs. My wife does we have a sinking fund for my wife's hair. Usually, you have a sinking fund for her hair? Yeah, usually like 40 bucks a month. Nice. Um, Go Kate. That's not a need for me. If I have to, I'll just let my hair grow out. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, that's more of a, uh, if we need it that month, I'll go get it. And then we'll find some 25, 30 bucks from a big box store that we hadn't spent and transfer that over. That that reminds me, Kate and I have an ongoing joke for years now that if Cole were single, Cole could get by on like 240 bucks a month, all in. And it's, it's only because of Kate that uh, Kate actually has decent expectations of life and that she couldn't, that no human should live the way that Cole could if he chose to. It's true because if, if, Eating ramen every day meant that I could spend more money on video equipment than I would. <laughs> That's the only reason. <laughs> I would find the crabbiest apartment ever and uh, just live, barely oh, make man. it. Well, Cole's, Cole's haircut budget is zero, but but fair to note that you you put a sinking fund in for Kate, 45 a month. Our haircut, it, it probably averages 100 a month. But again, this is why it's important to budget every month. So we usually budget just for my haircut because I get about one every four weeks. And then when Sarah's going to go get hers, we budget it that month and she'll let me know that month if we're going to while we're making our budget together. Uh, Medical, out-of-pocket medical. Um, That's not a big category for us. This is a major category for many. For us, it's not. Out-of-pocket for us, it's about 100 a month. And that's, that's a pretty... It's not a known number, but it's a pretty consistent number. 
That's nice. I think I talked about mine earlier when we talked about insurance, but uh, health wise, it's five fifty. But that's your insurance, right? That's not out of pocket. Oh, you're right. Yeah, that's just insurance. Yeah. I don't know what my out of pocket is. Do you just you don't have a category for like when you go, or does that come out of like groceries? Like if you have to go buy medicine or something. Oh, uh, so we have uh, medicine and stuff. Yeah, would be household for us. That'd be household. Okay. Medicine and it's stuff included. would be household. Right. Um, kids, we have a kids essential category, and so if we need kids kids medicine, which is usually what we do, instead of we don't have a whole lot of medicine for us, um, but that would go into that, and then household. Yeah, correct. Got yep. it. Yep. I have a category that you probably don't have. Uh, we spend about 150 on a storage unit. So when we sold our house, I don't know, four years ago, we sold our house. And when we were gonna, we we're gonna move to Thailand for part of the year. So we got a small rental here in our town. We we're gonna spend a big part of our year in Thailand. And then right when we sold our house, COVID hit, and that plan died. We ended up renting longer term than we had thought we were going to. And so we have a storage unit and we're just going to ride that out for a bit while we figure out what are we going to do longer term for housing. And so we, we spent about 150 a month on that. And I think a lot of people would look at that and just roll their eyes. It's like, why are you wasting your money on storing your stuff? And a lot of it's more sentimental stuff for us. A lot of it's very sentimental. It's childhood stuff. And it's, it's Sarah, things that remind Sarah of her dad who passed, um, who passed about about 20 years ago. And so the storage unit is is really just a kind of a hold for us as we figure out where does where do we want to take this thing in life. Yeah, the other thing about you guys too is you're you you don't plan on staying in that place forever as well. You probably plan on buying a house at some point down the road. Yeah, who knows. And then who knows. Yeah. And then you can have that stuff in there. Uh I got a category that you probably don't have. I definitely don't have storage. Is it um, video equipment? Well, yes, but that's in a different budget. Um, it is child care. Mm. 480 on a good month, 600 on a tougher month. And that all depends on how many weeks are in the month. Yeah. So sometimes we catch the uh, 600 a month. And that's part-time child care. Yeah, right? it's part-time. That's three days a week. This is a category too that will that burns people hard. I regularly meet with families that their child care call, I don't know if you'll believe this, but their child care is north of two thousand a month. Just the child care. It's funny because my next category is kids. Now I handle kids a little bit unique and, and some of my clients do it this way and some don't, but I have a catch-all for my kids. Anything that's specifically for the kids goes into my kids' category. And that's about 600 a month. That would be babysitting. That would be clothes. If I take them out for ice cream, if we want to sign them up for soccer, it's kind of a catch-all. Anything we spend on our kids, it goes in this category. And this is really great for, for my wife, too, when Sarah is thinking about, do we want to go here or go do this, go do that? As long as we have money in the kids' the kids category, it's game on. Because that's what that money is for. It's it's an investment into our family. And as we as we want to get babysitters or we want to, you know, the kids are, you know, they grow so dang fast now that we need to keep buying shoes. But as we do those things, we just bought them bikes a few weeks ago, which was an amazing, it's been so much fun. But that category is a great catch-all and we don't have to dwell on all the 
the details and the breakdowns. It's kids. That that's nice. I like that idea. Um, and when our second child, uh, I think we're going to transition into Kate being full time at home all the time. Um, because you add another child to that daycare, even part time, I mean that's twelve hundred dollars a month part time daycare. Part-time. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. And so that it would be nice to just keep the six hundred and then use that for kids' activities, essentials, all that kind of stuff instead of daycare. That'll yeah. be a transition we'll make here in the next month or two. Yeah. The next, the last category I have. Do you have any others? Um, categories. Yeah, if you have other categories. Yeah, the last category I have besides investing, because I know you don't have investing, um, is fun spending. No, 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 for needs. Do you have any other needs? Oh. No. Okay. One last need is other other expenses. I think this is a great category to have. There are going to be things you're going to be tracking. You're going to be looking at your budget and you're going to come across something and you say, where the heck does this thing go? And we don't need to obsess about it. If it doesn't make sense to go anywhere, it goes in other. So we do a hundred bucks a month. It's a catch all for anything. Like for example, um, went to the farmer's market last week and I had to, I, I spent four bucks on a parking meter. I'm like, where does that go? I don't know. It's other. But what I find is that if you keep putting the same thing in other month after month after month, that thing may need its own category, but it's a great release valve. If you don't know where something goes, you just put it in other and you move on. And, but I always encourage people don't make that number high. Cause if you make it high, you'll jam whatever you can in there. I've seen people put, you know, Apple watches in there. I've seen people try to put MacBooks in there. It's like an Apple theme. Yep. Nice. That's a good idea. Um, if we have something that's out of category, we just throw it in a category. <laughs> so like parking ticket, like uh, what what do we do? What do we do? The farmers market? All right, uh, entertainment or something like that. Let's go to. Um, so you don't have any debt, nope. and I don't have any debt. You used to have debt. I used to have a lot of debt. We've worked through that. I worked through mine back, you know, in the 2009 to 2012 when you were still a kid. And, and you worked yours out when, when we started meeting and you paid off what I think the story was more than 40,000, right? In about a year. Yeah. 42 and 11 months. 42 and 11 months. Amazing. We went hard. But it's cool because you've lived a lot of life yeah. since then. And so no debt payments for you, no debt payments for me. Celebrate. Yep. Virtual I, fist bump. I, I mean, I can't even imagine just to add, like, let's say adding a car payment and adding student loan payments to this budget, like that's, that's close to upwards of $10,000 a month. Yeah. I just, I, I don't, I don't know how that works. I, I off, you know, to be honest with you and you and I have talked about this offline a lot, but I think about my last four years and how hard it's been to go from my prior career, starting over and having to rebuild something from scratch if I would have had the debt payments in there the whole time, it would have suffocated me. I think I would have broke. I either would have broke financially. I would have broke emotionally. I would have broke mentally. I just would have. I would just be mad all the time and frustrated that we can't make any progress on anything. And just knowing that that money is going towards things that aren't that important to me. And I think this is the beauty of, of a lot of the clients that I work with that have some level of debt, I think they see what the other side could be. And it really emboldens people just to get on the other side. 
get on the other side because it sucks getting there. But once you're there, you're there. And, and nothing can make you go back into debt. Nothing's going to make me go back into debt. That's that we've made that choice. And um, so I think I'm grateful to not have debt. I'm grateful that you don't have the debt. Let's talk about wants. Um, the first, the first want for me, it's always the top of our want list. It's personal spending. And we've done episodes about this, about there's money that I get every month that I get to do whatever I want. And there's money that Sarah gets every month and, and she gets to do anything she wants. And we can't question each other's. We can't criticize because it's unique to us. We've made the decision. I'm curious where you're at, but we've made the decision that ours will always be the same. There's been months where hers have been more. But our rule is we have the same. And so ours is right now, and I'm really grateful for this, it's $250 a person. I am totally on board with it not being the same, but my wife is not. So when we compromise, we keep it at the same. And so ours is $150 each. $150 each. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's hard for me. It's not a lot for your boy. But good news is, is I can use a lot of my business to get things. Most of my wants. Wow. Kate, Kate, are you listening to this? Cole's funneling his wants. Yeah. His business. If a, a lot, a lot of the things I can buy for my work that I want, or a lot of things I want, I can buy for my work. So I'll have a conversation with Kate and I'll say, Hey, like I need new black shirts for all of my, um, shoots. Cause that's all I, I only wear black shirts to all my jobs. And so I can just buy a pack of black shirts with my business. There you go. There you go. I think too, the personal spending, I would encourage people do not take this out of your budget. I would plead with you to not take it out. You can reduce it. You can lower it temporarily, but do not stop it. I've had clients that have stopped it because they think they need to do something more responsible with the money, make faster progress. This is a release valve for your marriage. And when you remove it, something is going to break or blow up. And, and even like we've had seasons of life when, when things were tough for us, we've had seasons where ours was as, as low as 50 a month. And we've had higher than 250 a month. We've had months where it's been more, much more attractive. This is just where it's at today. And I'm grateful for it. I'm always grateful for it. And whenever we have our budget discussions, uh, Sarah is always, uh, she, she's always quick to negotiate this number up if we can. This is her favorite category, and I respect that. But it, it really depends on where we're at in the journey. Yep. I uh, totally agree. We started at 50 on our debt payoff journey, and that was just absolutely brutal. Um, in our budget where we spend $10,000 a month, if uh, I have a good month, then that number definitely goes up a little bit. Is that one of the first numbers that increases? No, nope, it's definitely not one of the first numbers, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, um, which is it's mutual. Um, some of the first numbers to go up are auto maintenance, travel, car replacement fund, more investing, um, things like that would go up before personal spending, but then, yeah. then we'd hit it last. The, the next common category for wants would be dining out. What do you got? So I have eating out, takeout and entertainment all into one category. So anytime we go out on a date or watch a movie or get 
um, like DoorDash or whatever. Um, we put it in that category, and that's about 400 a month. 400 all in. So I, I can go apples to apples. Our combined is about, call it 300 a month. We do 200 dining out, because again, I like to eat, eat that money. Um, and then our entertainment's about 100. Our entertainment's pretty conservative. Um, but I would say dining out. I, I'm just knowing what I know, working with all the families I work with, 200 a month for dining out, that's pretty low. Yeah. And maybe part of it's the season of life we're in. We used to spend much more on dining out back when Sarah and I could actually go out frequently and enjoy a dining experience. Uh, but I don't know about you, fellow parents, uh, taking two six-year-old boys to a restaurant is anything but an enjoyable dining experience. Um, yeah. it, it's not always fun. So so our dining out anymore, it, it looks like it looks like, like some simple takeout or pizzas. Maybe Sarah and I can snag a date night in there. But it's our dining out life is pretty simple. And, and I should also point out, we actually probably dine out much more, but our house rule is that our dining out budget only applies if Sarah and I are together. If Sarah and I are separate, that's personal spending. So I actually probably dine out much more than that, which is where most of my personal spending probably goes, which is going out with a friend or grabbing some lunch or you and I will hit Chick-fil-A, you know, in between shoots. That's right. Um, totally. Same for us. And um, I think, let's see, for, yeah, taking kids to a restaurant is an absolute nightmare, especially uh, a two-and-a-half-year-old and a, a three-week-old. So uh, eating out is not really a thing anymore. It's definitely pick up and bring it home and eat at home. So that's technically our eating out. And we totally agree with you in the fact of if we're not together, then it's not eating out. But every once in a while, um, Kate will be like, hey, I need, uh, I'm running late. I need uh, a Ziggy's burrito or something because um, I'm about to pass out and I forgot to eat breakfast. And it's like, all right, we'll, we'll throw that in eating out for you. Don't want you to suffer, um, but things like that. So Yeah. Well, um, I have a category called home furnishings. So anything you'd buy for your house. So I don't know, like a lamp or a rug or a picture, anything that just kind of goes to, goes for the house. And that's kind of a catch-all for us, too. And, and we don't often have a lot of that stuff right now. If we did, we would probably have a sinking fund, and we'd really pile that up. But ours is like 100 bucks a month that will cover everything that we would, that we would probably spend. And, and often we don't, you know, we, we might not have that much need. Yeah, that's a good category to have. I, we don't have any of that. We don't do a whole lot of that stuff. Um, we haven't bought furniture in a long time. If we do need to buy like a cover for our bed, it would be under household or something mm -hmm. like that. Uh, my wife wants to decorate. We don't have time. We don't have money to decorate. <laughs> um, and so if we were to get anything new, it would probably be a gift for like Mother's Day or Christmas or something like that. Got it. Next category I have is streaming services. What's your, do you have that number? <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. TV is about 20 bucks. <laughs> I do not pay. F uh, the only thing I pay for is YouTube TV. And I split that with my family because YouTube TV has a family rate. It's like 65 bucks a month. Um, and you can have maybe four accounts. 
but we split it. My sister, my dad, my parents, and I um, all have the same YouTube TV account, but we can log in with our own name. That's awesome. And so we split it, and I sent them 20 bucks a month. As for other things, my parents bought me Netflix about four years ago as a Christmas gift, and they haven't canceled yet. <laughs> <laughs> so I haven't paid for Netflix in a long time. I'm just waiting for the... Uh, notification to pop up on my screen that I'm not in the same household. I hope hopefully Jackie's not listening to this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Hulu, Amazon, Apple TV, and HBO. My dad has all of those. And so I just use his login. Wow. Yeah. I don't have any streaming. (laughs) I once met, I once met with a family who makes call it seven, 800,000 a year. And they're still they're mooching off of uh, their parents' um, streaming. That's awesome. At, at that point, as a parent, I I would have to probably say something. So for us, for us, it's it's ironic that you know I don't I don't know if you were ever into this mode because you're a lot younger, but this whole the whole notion of cutting the cord. You know, you have Directv and you have these packages, and they're so expensive and, and they're very inflexible, and then they drive the rates up on you. The whole idea we all cut the cord so that our, our costs would be a lot cheaper. And then we found a way to, to piecemeal our ba- our way back up. Yep. So our streaming is like 150. Yep. YouTube TV, which is the bomb, is so good. But then we have all the others. Uh, we use Amazon Music, which people think is weird, but but uh, Amazon Music is great. And uh, so we have just a hodgepodge of streaming. It's about 150. And NBA League Pass is in there because you got oh, to yeah. get your NBA oh, fix, yeah. Cole. Yeah, <laughs> totally. The good thing about YouTube TV is like there's no contract. So during the summer, I mean, we don't cancel it anymore because we're only paying 20 bucks a month. But usually during the summer, we would just cancel it and then um, buy it again in fall and winter for football and basketball. And then spring would cut it off again. Because yeah. we never watched actual TV. Um, cell phone wise, uh, this kind of has to do with streaming, but entertainment, cell phone used to be 175 bucks a month. And I finally, we did the pay off your phone plan because they gave us a deal. Mm. Finally got our phones paid off. So we're at 130 a month, which is pretty good. 130. Uh, we did the, what they called a BYOD, bring your own device plan through Verizon. So we, our phones have, haven't been tied to our plan in probably eight years. So we, we pay what we pay. And it's like, it's probably like, that's probably like 140, 150 bucks a month, unlimited everything. And then we just bring whatever device to the table that we buy, that we, that we bring. Um, subscriptions. Do you have a subscriptions category? I do. And it's only for my budgeting software. Mm. So a lot of my clients do this. So we, we do a hundred bucks a month for subscriptions. And what this is, there's just things that are lumpier and they hit your, they hit you throughout the year. And maybe it's a, it's a membership to something or like for us, one of them is uh, the zoo and science center. And, and all of a sudden we, we show up at the science center and they said, sorry, your membership expired. Oh crap. Well, that's subscriptions. So anything that's kind of a periodic payment, that can surprise us, we smooth it out by just having a category called subscriptions. That's a good idea. I actually do have entertainment subscriptions as I'm looking at my budget, which is about 55 a month. I don't really know what's in there. Uh, mm. Spotify would be in there. Um, Spotify, that's a good one. Spotify. Um, 
Uh, I thought there was another one. I don't know what other things we have, but that's one of them. Some people put, you know, they put their Amazon Prime in there or their budgeting app or there's just different hodgepodge of things in our life. Um, the last one I have under wants is fitness. Now, some people would say that's not a want, that's a need. And I say, fair, fair, do it. Put it in a need if you want to put it in a need. I, I get that. We put it in wants. Uh, ours is about 100 bucks a month. That doesn't have a specific name to it right now. There's something that will pop up, and, and we have an allocation for that. But we don't. that's where a gym membership would go or equipment or whatever. Nice. We have a literal gym membership category. Um, that's 80 bucks a month for us. Which is super nice because they uh, we're we're at the DMAC gym, and um, what we love about it the most is the basketball courts, and the child care is super nice. So you can bring both kids, drop them off, and then get a workout in. Um, the great thing about them is you can pause it for three months of the year. So as of right now, we have it paused because of my wife was not going to work out after giving birth to a child for a while. And usually if we do any workout, it's usually running outside in the good weather. So super great to have in the winter, but that's pause for us right now. Yeah. Do you have any other wants in your budget? That's all the the want categories I have. Um, I would say want would be, and this is just under a wealth building category. So I I have a brokerage for my kids. No, no, we put that, we'll, we'll take that down to investing. Okay, okay. Well, nope, no other wants then. Sweet. So that's the wants. Um, Giving. It's interesting. Your giving and my giving on a dollar basis is almost to the dollar. How how is yours broken down? So mine's broken down into 10% goes to our church. So whatever income I have that comes into my budget, we'll take 10% of that off the top and give it to the church. So if the income that month is... 6,000 bucks, then that's 600. And if it's like 7,300, then that's 730. Um, yeah, that's how that goes. Uh, for us, we have, we have a giving fund and it's a checking account that's, that's made for giving. And so what we do is we give to our giving fund out of our budget. And then once the money's in our giving fund, then we give. And so we, it's right, it's around a thousand bucks a month for us that goes into the giving fund. And so the money goes there, it goes to our church and other organizations, people in need and gifts. And, and, and so, so it's about a thousand. So right, right now it's about 1200 bucks. Yeah. We, we also have a gift fund on top of the, uh, church donation. Um, and that's typically about 200 bucks a month. Actually, I'll clarify. We have a thousand, sorry, I should have been more specific. We have a thousand to our giving fund, 200 to gifts. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. So almost identical to yours. So our gifts is technically gifts slash giving fund. Um, what that is, is a um, sinking fund. And whenever we feel led to either get a gift for, for somebody or um, help out somebody in need or pay for something, um, then we will use that fund as a That's gift. That's similar to us. So yeah, you're giving, so you're giving right now is 16% and then ours, ours is about 15%. And you know, you had mentioned investing. We, we've had a couple different rules of thumb in, in our life, um, in, in our old life, in our, in our prior, my prior career. We had a rule that, that we, would, we said to ourselves, we will never invest more than we give. We will never invest more than we give. 
Then when we transitioned and our income got cut very short, we, we kind of had a new rule that said, we will not invest until we're giving at least 15%. We are going to give 15%, period. And then we, then we will invest maybe after that. And, and we just said, we just said it, it's our way of saying giving has to be our top priority. It has to be. And a lot of people will really disagree with what I just said, especially financial people. And I respect that. I respect that. But that's how, that's how we are right now. Mm-hmm. That's a great rule to live by. We have about a minimum investment that we do a month and that's we want to hit 500 every month that's kind of a hopefully a non-negotiable for us um and then on top of that we kind of it's discretionary just based on the month um i know this year one of our goals was to hit investing a little bit harder because we spent the first 4 or 5 years both building a business and not really investing much at all Um, and so trying to quote unquote, catch up investing wise, uh, once our income was at a a place where we're comfortable doing that. And so the other thing is, is having children and wanting to get them through school, um, and then funding a few other things as far as my Roth IRA. And then if I have anything extra business wise, um, you can throw that in a SEP IRA, um, as well as my Roth, my wife's Roth IRA. So we have a bunch of different accounts. We have two brokerage accounts for our children. Um, and Travis and I haven't really talked about this, but we just we just started this. What we'd like to do, um, don't have the priority yet, is to just throw a thousand bucks into a brokerage for each of our kids when they're born, kind of as a uh, born gift, and then. If we can add 150 bucks a month to that fund until they're 18, and then by the time they retire, that'll be six, seven million bucks for them to have. Um, and the reason we're doing that instead of doing, I think, uh, Roth IRA for your children is is the second they turn 18 with a Roth, they get the funds, they get to keep the money, um, and Instead, we're doing two taxable accounts and we're putting their names as the beneficiary. Um, so at when we die, then they get the money. It's not really a free for all. You get to have it and spend it when you're 18. It's more of a, hey, this is what we're going to gift gift you when we die sort of thing. Interesting. Yeah. And then at any point, at any point during their lives, if, you know, hopefully we teach them how to use money well. Um, but at any point in their lives, if let's say they want to spend a little bit extra on a wedding, like we don't, we've given them a budget, they want to go over it. Um, we can give, probably give them an option to use some money in the brokerage account because they probably won't need six or seven million by the time they retire, hopefully. But uh, that's just kind of a fun that we want to use for our children. Um, and maybe some of that is schooling. Maybe some of that's wedding. Maybe some of that is other things. Uh, but because of how much time it has to compound, you only have to add 36,000 bucks, I think, to the account by the time they're 18. And then 
let the rest do its thing. So did you say a thousand a thousand when they're born? A thousand when they're born. One hundred fifty a month. Yep, one hundred fifty about a month, and then um, whenever your parents, my parents usually gift us of uh, some money for our children every Christmas, which is maybe a couple hundred bucks. Um, so every holiday, add that in there. And so then... if you so just based on what you just said, because this is the first time I'm hearing it, <clears throat> so we'll just kind of talk about it on on the mics, but. So a thousand, a thousand up front, one hundred fifty a month, at nine percent, that would end up at eighty five grand by age eighteen. Yep. If you got eight percent, it'd be like seventy six thousand. If you got seven percent, seven percent, it would be more like sixty eight thousand by the time they graduate. What's interesting is as you're talking, and and I deal with this every day with people, there's different perspectives and how they want to do things. I I am completely on the opposite side of this, and you you know this, but I have the perspective that you know this idea that we want to build generational wealth, and I want to give to my kids so they have they get it. And and for me, I don't believe that. And and for us, our kids will not inherit. And it's not because I don't love my kids. I love my kids. It's because I love my kids. And we're, you know, for us, you know, we're we're going to pay for the college. That's that's definitely on the docket. And when we die. That's, I don't believe it's my money to begin with. And so when we die, that will be given to a greater purpose. And what I would love and I would aspire to have happen is that is that if a charitable trust could be set up and, and our kids can help administer that and make an impact in this world with that over their lifetimes, but not them receive the money. I, I hope that my kids will, will stand on their own. And again, I also have a very... Hmm, polarizing perspective on that though in my coaching my clients don't usually subscribe to that same thing so we meet them where they're at and I help them go where they're going and so when you're talking about this as I'm as I'm hearing I'm like that sounds kind of cool not what I would do but that's that's a cool idea and I, I I think I heard it on a podcast and I think what what really caught my attention on it was one the fact that you're not giving it to them when they're young and naive and don't understand how to do money. Two, I think that uh, hopefully I, I want to teach my children about money, how to use money, how to be generous with money so that when they benefit from that account, I would hope that they would use that money to, you know, give generously um, and and do things important instead of just blow it all. Totally. Two, the other thing is if I know where my children are at as they go through life, I may not need to use that account for them. Mm. It's just kind of a backup account um, that is there in kind of in case of emergency. And the other thing that I thought was really cool about it was by doing it so early, you don't have to give that much money to that account for it to grow because of how much time you have to let that grow. That's really true. And there's also one very glaring difference between your situation and my situation. Two boys, two girls. And so I have to I have to think about college. You you have to think about college. Now now we don't have to, but we have possibly two colleges each, but then you possibly have two weddings. And and the traditional way of doing it is, you know, you know, the, the bride's family will pay for the majority. That, that's a traditional way. It doesn't always work that way. But as you're thinking, I, I know that you think about that. 
you have two weddings possibly down the road. I don't have that on my mind like you do. And so what you're talking about would align much closer to that reality than what I have in my own. Totally. And I, and I think another thing that I was really intrigued by this was the fact of, of me going through life today, understanding how hard it is for people to kind of make things work. Um, as far as buying a house and buying a car, when you want to buy a car in cash, I mean, a good car is like 20 to 30 grand. Like you want to buy a minivan for your family. Like that's a lot of saving to do. Even if you are smart with money, that's going to take a long time to do. And so I don't know what home prices are going to do when my children grow up. And and if I am smart with things and, and I'm able to help them out a little bit on some of the things, like I know people who are going to college and getting in college debt and home debt and all this stuff, they're just getting crushed by all of that stuff. And so to be able to set my children up to not have to worry about that, to kind of get them started on a good path is uh, an important thing for me. Totally. I love it. Love the idea. So that's as, as far as that goes. So, so we only have one more category left, which is saving. Yeah. So we, ha- we have zero saving. The only saving we do is for sinking funds. Which, yeah, yeah. What do you got? Tell, oh, me, okay. tell me what you got there. Yeah, about 400 a month savings. Um, 100 bucks a month goes into auto maintenance. 100 bucks goes into travel. And 200 goes into car replacement fund. Car replacement. So you, so you keep your car separate. You have car maintenance and car replacement. Interesting. Um, people are split on this, in my experience. Why do you keep them separate? I'm curious. Um. That's a great question because it's good to know. I don't know. I don't know why I keep them separate. We just do. It just feels right to keep things separate and then just to know exactly how much you have saved up for a new car Mm. and then know exactly how much you have for auto maintenance. Now, obviously, if we don't have enough in auto maintenance, um, we'll tap into our emergency fund. But I think, yeah, I don't know. I don't really have a specific reason as to why. It just doesn't feel right personally to combine them because they're almost two completely separate things. I uh I don't I don't have a, a dog in the fight on this one. I, I can I can tell you from what you said, I think keeping them separate for one one really good reason to keep them separate is so you always know how much auto maintenance is costing you. You have clarity. The argument on the other side is it's the fork in the road in the decision-making process is you have a vehicle and this vehicle, you're going to have to keep paying to maintain it, or you can use that money to then buy a different car, which hopefully will cost less to maintain. And so it's kind of a decision point. If you, the people that have one bucket of money, it's that constant tension of, do we want to keep putting money into this vehicle or do we need to use this money to then go buy something else? And it's, it's one bucket of money, a fork in the road with two different choices. And so I think I've seen people do it both ways. I have traditionally fallen into the car maintenance is car maintenance. But that's but that's just kind of where where we've been. Mine my my saving is a little bit different than yours. 
I have two two really main main sinking fund categories: car maintenance, which is usually 150 to 200 bucks. And I set that my my car fund up, and I automated the contributions like almost 20 years ago. It was like the first the first sinking fund I ever did almost 20 years ago. Car maintenance. I mean, it's amazing to see how it always just kind of works out. Every time you get pleased with how much money is building up in there, the big maintenance event happens. And this category, I think, is contextual to where you're at in your car journey. We have two aging vehicles now. They're not old, but they're getting there. And so the need is probably a little bit greater than other people. So 200 a month is probably more than a lot of people need. And I think we just have to look at our own situations. But here's my other one. I only have one other one. We put a we put a thousand a month into travel. Whoa! And we we have a, a a principle in our house. We talked about generosity, right? Generosity and travel are our two categories. And as my friend Gary Hogue would always say, we should invest in in mission and memories, mission and memories. And that's become kind of a, a motto in our house that we invest in mission, and we invest in in memories. And memories usually comes in the form of travel for us. And that's a big sacrifice to commit that much into travel. But if we're committed to investing in mission and memories, we just made that choice that that's what we want to do. We don't get it every month. Not every month works out perfect. And that, that's a category that might, that might have to get reduced depending on how things are going from month to month. But I would say giving and travel are our two biggest expenses outside of our house payment. That's crazy. Yeah, we got a hundred bucks a month going into travel, and that's the just the minimum. So a lot of a lot of the stuff that I have is totally based on the month I have. So if I make about sixty seven hundred to seventy three hundred, this is the budget you're going to see. If I make ten thousand then my wife and I need to sit down at the end of each month and talk about, we have an extra 3000 What do we want to spend it on? Do we want to catch up investing? Do we want to put more into our uh, car replacement fund? Uh, and that totally depends on where we're at in life. As of right now, we're saving up to buy a minivan. Just parent things. Um, and so then we'll look and say, hey, are we going to travel anytime soon? Do we want to put a couple hundred bucks towards that? Um, should we try and max out your Roth IRA this year? Things like that. And so there's like, there's kind of a second budget meeting at the end of each month, just depending on the income for us. Yeah. Well, there you have it. There's the budgets. That wasn't as painful as I thought though, though here after we, after we hit publish and it's out into the world and thousands of people are listening to it and uh, making comments about it, then I'll, maybe I'll, Maybe I'll feel feel like crap about it. Well, it's it's interesting too because Travis and I have a bunch of conversations off off the microphones about budgets and the world and um, expenses of things and and I think this will be cool to come back to our budget and and just see the percentages of what we spend on things compared to other people. Just for example. Like my house payment being $1,500 a month is like 20% of my income or something like that. Close to that. You want to do that math quick? Um, on average, I saw an article and I don't have the article, so I can't quote you're it about, for you're you. You're at 21%. 21% on an average, on an average month. 
um, there was an article that said almost the average um, house payment for people is uh, close to 50% now. It, it's getting really tight for people. Which is which is crazy to me. I don't know what I would do if I had to spend another 30% of my income on my house payment. And ours is 20%. I don't know what I would do. And, and here's what I would say. So peop, some people are going to listen to this and say, hey, you guys are living in la-la land because a lot of us can't do that. We don't live in a, a part of the country where that's even possible or my situation is X, Y, Z. There is some truth to that. The reason you and I get to do some of the things that we get to do is because our house payment is lower. However, in some regards, because you and I both know a lot of people in this community that have similar incomes or even, you know, higher, lower people that live in our community that do make different choices. So there's a part of it where we, we're, we're fortunate in some ways, some of it's luck, uh, but in other, in other cases, there's a lot of intentionality that went into this. And I know you and Kate have, have tossed around the idea of, of upgrading houses. And, and my wife and I, we've had conversations, but when it comes down to it, there, it's always a choice. And we have intentionally chosen to maintain a very, very simple lifestyle because we value quality of life over standard of living. Yep. Yep. Completely agree. And so I, I think if you're listening to this, there's going to be categories that, that you heard and you're just like, yeah, I wish I could do that or I wish I could do that. Just know this is just us. And we all are living in, in, in different contexts. And so maybe there's a category that you can move on and maybe some you just can't. And I think my best advice would be to do the best you can and to really figure out what are your values and live into those. And if there's something you're spending money on that doesn't align with your values, cut it out, reduce it, and shift and invest in something that does feed into your values. Like the fact that we're putting a thousand a month into travel, that's kind of ridiculous, but it aligns really close with our values. Any, uh, any, any parting thoughts, Cole? No, I don't have any parting thoughts. If you have any questions or know me personally and just want to talk about anything, uh, I'm incredibly open with money. So I, I think one of the main reasons I wanted to do this too is because growing up, I wish I wish people were more open about where they spent their money or what they spent their money on just so I could understand things better. Because when you know people are vague about things, it's hard to really dive deep into actually understand values and why you're doing what you're doing and and why are you why are you investing this much a month um, and all that is based off of calculators and retirements and all this kind of stuff and different things for different people and so this is kind of an insight into how we both live and you know how we talk about money you know our values and so this is us backing it up with what we spend our money on there we go well thanks for making me do this Cole I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it, but I'm glad we did. Yes. I, I'm glad we did. I am too. I am too. Well, awesome, guys. Well, that's all we have for today. But if you would like to reach us outside of the podcast, we would love to hear from you. We would love your ideas, your feedback, your questions. We even love your criticisms. Because when you when you share with us and you help us give, give us your perspective, we can get better and we can serve you better. 
And so we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on YouTube, TikTok, Instagram. You can find the daily blog. The link is in the show notes. But however it is, we would love to hear from you. Take care, guys. 